And if that's the case, you, you talk to me or you talk to Kim Chesser or Patricia Chesser, talk to Barbara, call the office this week, and uh, it starts this Friday night up in Albuquerque. And you, you will not be sorry that you attended that. Second thing that the elders have seen that is important is, uh, is our attempt and our goal, I should say, that's a better word, our goal to hire a youth minister here at Gateway. And they have been working very, very, very hard on that. And I want to encourage you, if you have the option, you know, sometimes we have the option to be out of town on a weekend or in town. If you have the option to be in town two weeks from today, that's the 24th of uh, this month, February, I really encourage you to be here to meet uh, the guy and his, and his family that are coming. And we'll be telling you more about them next Sunday, a little bit more, so you can be anticipating that. But I hope you'll be a part of that. Uh, that weekend and, and be praying. Please be praying for God to bring us just the right person, whether it's this person or someone else. And then the third thing is this. Our elders see that encouraging men to be leaders. Leaders in our home, leaders in our church family, leaders in our community. They uh, have seen that this is something we want to try to encourage this year, in the year 2013. And so to that end, you see in the bulletin there, all men of our church, if you're a man and if you, if you can't figure that out or something, check, you know, with me and I'll let you know or whatever. But all men, that's all men are invited that want to come. If you have a desire and you want to be a part of this, you're welcome to come. And we're going to meet right here in the fellowship hall. We're going to, we're going to meet about once a month, approximately once a month, and talk about being leaders. And the first meeting is going to be here in the fellowship hall today at 4 o'clock. All men are invited. The elders will be here. Uh, with you to to talk about that, try to fan that flame a little bit. So I appreciate our elders. I appreciate all they do and the ways that they lead, and these things are all important. Well, does anybody here today have a rabbit's foot, a lucky rabbit's foot, like on your uh, on your keychain? Anybody? You got one? Is it on your? You have it with you, Marat? Oh, you don't. Does anybody have one with them, like right here with them? I, I was gonna. I looked for one around, like around the house, and I couldn't find one. Uh, I thought we had one somewhere. But I, so I was going to have one and hold it up and, you know, but we've all seen a lucky rabbit's foot, right? And I, I never could, even when I was a kid, I could never quite figure that out. I thought, what's lucky about this rabbit? You know, I have its foot. You know, how, how, can, this, how can this be a lucky rabbit? So um, anyways, you know, whether it's, whether it's a lucky rabbit's foot or whether it's maybe uh, some kind of, some people keep a certain coin in their pocket, a lucky coin, or, or some kind of lucky charm, or, or some people put something on their dashboard or hang it from the rearview mirror. This is for luck, right? We live in a society, and I don't know if you think very much about it. I don't know if you've paid very close attention, but luck is in our society a lot. I know... Uh, I heard a story about one woman after a, 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 a snowstorm that had lasted for several days and they had all been stuck in the house and, and she's, out, she's out, you know, shoveling the snow in her driveway and it's like two feet of snow and we'd love to see that around here and I'm sure the people up in the northeast right now would love to send some of it to us but there's something like that and they've been stuck in the house and she's out there shoveling the snow and she's by herself she's shoveling and shoveling and the neighbor comes out and he waves and he says where's your husband is he being lazy and she said oh she said you know we we decided one of us you know would shovel and one of us would stay inside with our three kids and so we drew straws and and he said man I'm, I'm sorry for your bad luck and she said don't be sorry for me I won so uh, if you've ever been stuck in the house with three kids for several days in a row, you know what that means. 
Well, we talk about luck a lot, quite honestly. Think about all the words. Think about all the words that have luck. I just made a list of some of them this week. Tough luck. Hey, tough luck. Good luck. Man, that was blind luck. Beginner's luck. That's what I like to say to James Hobbs when he makes a good putt. Beginner's luck. Lucky. Oh, man, that's bad luck. Well, best of luck. Man, that guy's out of luck. I think that guy has lady luck. Well, that person just lucked into that. That guy's got some hard luck. Oh, man, that, you see that right there? That was just pure luck. That person's pushing their luck. Wish me some luck, you lucky dog. I mean, on and on and on. I'm just taking a few that I thought of this week. Now, my favorite word that has to do with luck that I thought of this week is, you know what it is, potluck. That's my favorite one. <laughs> Pecan pie, you know, just in case anybody's forgotten, you know, pecan pie, potluck, that's coming up here in a couple of weeks. Lots of things about luck in our society. And what we're going to do today is uh, we're going to find out, is the Bible and this story specifically about Ruth, is it about luck or is it about the Lord? And so we're going to pray and then I'm going to encourage you to sit back and enjoy the reading of Ruth chapter 2. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. And thank you, God, that each and every part of it, that we can learn from you. We can learn uh, something new about you. That, that each and every part of your word, that we can fall deeper in love with you. And so today, God, that's my prayer. Not, not necessarily so much that I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I hope we learn a few things about ourselves or how we might do something different this week, but more than anything, God, I pray with all my heart that you would help me and my brothers and sisters here to see you because of the story of Ruth. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him, in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. And he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man, who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came, and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. 
Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed to her roasted grain. And she ate until she was satisfied and she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves and do not reproach her. And also pull out some of the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today and where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The man's name with whom I worked today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close to my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvests, and she lived with her mother-in-law. He's one of our redeemers. One of our redeemers, and that's the, that is the theme of our study of Ruth. Redeemer, because we said... God can turn anything around. I'm asking you this question again this week. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God could turn anything around? I mean, he could turn some things around. We know that. But do you believe that he could turn anything around? Because that's, what, that's, that's what's happening in this story of Ruth, is that what had happened to her and her 
mother-in-law and her sister-in-law is being turned around by God. Greg, I know you're working hard on this. And maybe if you, is this on? Maybe you turn that off, just leave that off. Okay, I, f I feel like every time I step right here, I'm, we're getting feedback, so um, anyways. We're working really hard on a new system and there's a lot to learn. And so I'm thankful Greg has spent many hours uh, getting us to where we're at and we're gonna get to uh, a place that's, that's uh, gonna be much better. So I thank, thank him for what he's doing. The reading that we heard on the, uh, on the video says that Ruth happened to work in the field belonging to Boaz. Now, now the New International Version in chapter 2 and verse 3 uses a different phrase. It says this right here. If you're looking in your Bible or you're looking at your pew Bible there, Ruth chapter 2 verse 3, as it turned out. Everybody say that with me on the count of three. One, two, three. As it turned out. She found herself working in the field of Boaz. Is that coincidence? Or is that providence? Is that luck? Or is that the Lord? You see, here are two women that we've been watching and they are without. Do you remember we left them a couple of weeks ago and we said they are without a husband, they're without kids, they're without money, they're without a future. But as it turned out, they need survival right now. Food is their immediate need. And so Ruth leaves the house in the morning. She goes to look for some food somewhere. And as it turned out, she's a foreigner. She's in Jerusalem. She is among a people. Do you remember last week we said she's among a people that have a law from their God that says, don't even make friends with people from Moab. But as it turned out, have you ever been there in your life? bills are piling up. And I mean, you've done everything you can on your end. You sold the expensive car and you bought a cheap car. You know, you, you canceled the cable. You canceled the data service on your cell phone because all those things are luxuries. They're not needs. And you've done all that you know how to do. You've stopped buying steak and you've reacquainted yourself with those noodles called ramen. You're doing everything you can possibly do, but nothing is getting you out of the red ink. But then as it turned out, a job popped up. Perfect, just what you needed. A monetary gift dropped in your lap. In your lap. And it just happened to be what you needed to keep your head above water. Wow, you are lucky. Right, lucky. Maybe your kids are drifting away. They're drifting away from you. They're dif drifting away from the way you raised them. They're drifting away from the Jesus that you introduced them to and your heart is broken. You've done everything you can do. You've prayed until you're out of prayers. You've pleaded, you've threatened, you've guilted, you've loved, you've listened until you're just about at the end of your piece of rope called hope. And then as it turned out, one of their friends at college invited them to a weekend retreat and they gave their heart to Jesus. Wow, you're lucky. Right, lucky. 
I just wonder how many times in the mundane routine of life, because that's really what this chapter seems like. You know, think about it. This isn't material for an action movie, Ruth chapter two, okay? Uh, Ruth goes out and she works in the field. She eats some lunch with a guy. She goes back and eats in the field and she goes home and tells her mother-in-law about her day. Woohoo! you know, what a day. That's what this is about. But how many times in your mundane routine of your daily life have you experienced the God who's behind the words as it turned out? And sometimes we didn't even notice. Or sometimes we said, man, I was really, really lucky today. Right. Lucky. I encourage you this week to look for the God that is in circumstances. The God that is in circumstances because you know what? He is there. I also encourage you this week to look for the God that is in people. I like the story I heard about the husband. He, he had a bad disease and he woke up in the hospital and he, he, he was close, getting close to the end of his life and he opened his eyes in the hospital and his sweet wife was there and, and she's just faithfully right beside his bed and he looked at her and he, and he just said, he said, honey, you know, I got to tell you something. You have always been there. Always he said, when I, when I made that investment and it just completely crashed, you, you stayed. You, you were there and you stayed. And, and when, when we had that car wreck, you were right there beside me in, in the seat. You know, when I, when I almost died that time and you were right there. And, and when I got fired from my job, you were, you were there with me. And through this whole disease, you've been right there. You've been right with me. And I got to tell you something, sweetie. I'm starting to believe my friends that you're bad luck. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Boaz is anything but bad luck. He's not bad luck. Boaz, his name means strong one or provider. He's an older, wiser, wealthy man of standing, excellent moral character. He is what we would call a good man. That's a good man right there. And I want to tell you something today. This story can get kind of romanticized. I think it does sometimes when you read it. I, when I've seen pictures of it or movies, you know, it's always an older, very handsome gentleman, you know, somebody maybe like Sean Connery or something, you know. I mean, I'm, I, you know, I don't, I don't even look at guys and think if they're handsome, but I'm like, that guy's handsome, man, you know. I'm jealous of Sean Connery. So here, here you go, somebody that looks like him and very debonair, and, 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 and then you've got some young, beautiful, exotic foreign woman, and it's like this intrigue thing, and they meet each other, and he sweeps her off her feet, and they have a Hollywood story of falling in love, and I'm just going, I don't think so. I don't think that's what this story is. For starters, Ruth is probably not much of a catch. Think about this. In Moab, the best her parents can do is to marry her to a foreigner. Now, I know in our country today, that's, that's fine. That's no big deal. We don't, we don't have a problem with that. But in their times, that means that was, that was like the, the last resort, that's like leftovers, okay? I mean, goodness gracious, this is horrible. The best we can do is get our daughter to marry a foreigner. And so I encourage you, don't let the devil sell you the Hollywood lie. Do you have a good man? 
Or do you have a good woman? Thank God that you have that person. They're not perfect. I guarantee you they're a mess. I don't even know who they are. I mean, I don't even know who I'm talking to. I'm talking to all of you. And I know every one of your spouses, they're a mess. <laughs> Thank God for them. Thank God for them. Boaz starts his day out with his workers. The Lord be with you. Is that what your boss says when you show up in the morning? <laughs> It'd be cool if that was the way it was. It's usually not quite like that. The typical greeting during this time would have been the word shalom, which means peace. Peace of God, not peace, like peace, bro. You know, I don't mean like that, but <laughs> peace, like the peace of God and the peace in all of your life. Shalom, it's a big word. And, and that was kind of the typical Jewish greeting. But he speaks a language that's even beyond the typical. He's speaking of faith in the workplace. What a good man. What a good man. And he's the perfect person that's going to help them. He's going to help them with their long-term need. They don't even know that yet. But he's also going to help them with their short-term need. And you know what that is right now? It's food. This is their urgent need. And he is the perfect person that they, just as it turned out, she happened to be there. What a lucky break for her. Right. Well, this is kind of a strange, a little bit of a strange custom, this quote-unquote gleaning. It's not a word that we use. Again, I challenge you to use that word sometime this week. Maybe some of you might, but most of us in the world, we wouldn't say the word glean this week. But it, this idea comes from the law in Deuteronomy 24. And if you want to read along, you can. I'm going to read just a few verses from Deuteronomy 24, verse 19. This is what God told his people. When you're harvesting in your field and you overlook a sheaf, do not go back to get it. Leave it for, now listen close, who you're supposed to leave it for. Leave it for the alien. Now that's not talking about Roswell, okay, right? It's talking about foreigners. Leave it for the fatherless. Leave it for the widow, so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. When you beat the olives from your trees, do not go over the branches a second time. Leave what remains for the alien, for the fatherless, for the widow. When you harvest your grapes in your vineyard, do not go over the vines again. Leave what remains for the alien and the fatherless and the widow. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that is why I command you to do this. Some people call this the Old Testament social security system. Not a bad description, actually. And I think it tells us at least two things about God. And here's the first one. That is God cares about people who are in tough circumstances. God cares about people who've lost their family. God cares about people who are in a bad circumstance and they don't know how they're going to be able to make it. God cares about people who don't have parents and people who've lost their husband or their wife. God cares about people who've left their country and come to another country. God cares about those people. And I have to ask myself, do I care? Because I'm supposed to be a representative for Jesus on this earth. So do I care? God cares. And the second thing it tells us about God is this. And I think this is equally important. And that is God did not say when you go through the fields, whatever's left over, box it up, put a bow on it and take it to the widow's doorstep and put it in her mailbox. Didn't say take it to the alien and give them everything they need at their house. Take it, to the, take it to the orphan and go make sure that you do all the work for the orphan and give the orphan everything they need. It did not say that. God didn't ever say that. What God said is, leave it 
leave it on the ground. And if the orphan or the widow or the alien want to work, let them go to work. Don't be so efficient as a boss that you finish everything and you have no work left for those needy people. Don't be that kind of boss who, when somebody says, hey, do you have, do you have something I could do for 20 bucks? I just need some money for my family. Don't be the kind of boss who says, no, we're all done. Somebody wants to work? Be the kind of boss who lets them go to work. But see, God never said, just don't work. Stay at home and somebody will bring you everything you need. God never said that. As a matter of fact, in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, the perfect place, it's paradise. What did they get up and do every day? At least six days, they went to work. Because God's always intended every person on this earth to work. That's his plan. Boaz, my goodness, what a good man. He speaks to Ruth with tenderness. He calls her my daughter. He, he shows Ruth hesed love. Do you guys remember that word from last week? Hesed love. That is love that is kind and it's grace-filled. It doesn't expect anything in return. You just give away. He's, he's going to protect her. He's going to protect her from anybody who's trying to run aliens off or is going to try to sexually hurt her. He's protecting her. He's going to provide for her. He's going to make sure she has some food. He brings her to the table. This isn't a clique. This isn't a community that you're not welcome in. Come on into our community. You bet. Come to our table. He serves her. And that's a big deal in that, com in that particular culture that a wealthy man would serve a foreign woman. She goes home because of his hesed love with food enough for four weeks just during the first day. And why does she do that? Because God is working behind the scenes through a person named Boaz. And so what about you? At just the right moment? Right? Just the right moment? On the day when you were discouraged and you got a note in the mail and it made your day. Wow! You are lucky. Right, lucky. Just on the day when you maybe are tempted with the same temptation that you're tempted with every day or week or month or whatever, the same temptation that you struggle with, and a, your phone rings right when you're tempted, and it's a Christian brother just calling to say, hey, I just wanted to see how you're doing. How's it going? It just, as it turned out, it happened to be right when you were tempted. Man, you're lucky. Right. Maybe you're just at the point in your life where you just feel like quitting. And as it turns out, you bump into a person in line at Walmart who tells you a story and they didn't even know, but you needed to hear it. It's exactly what you needed. Wow, what a lucky coincidence. Right. I encourage you this week to look for the God in the good people around you because he's there. And then as we... We, we see this in Ruth. We see in her circumstances, God is there. We see in people, the round Ruth, that God is there. But what about your story? Do you see God in your story? David did. David is the great grandson of Ruth. And in Psalm 139, verse 16, this is what David says. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before I was born. David knows the story of Ruth. He knows God's been working in his life since before he was born. So what about our story? Are we convinced that God has something to do with writing our story? Or do we think that we just stumble from field to field and occasionally we bump into a lucky field? Is that what we think? 
There's great security in knowing that dad is going to take care of it. This is true for Raina and Josh. It's true for all of you guys that have kids. You know, they don't worry a lot. I mean, they have a few worries because they're teenagers and they got their, you know, stuff, ups and downs in their life and all that. But they're not worried about, are we going to eat tonight? Are we going to have, you know, are they going to turn the lights off? Are we going to have a place to live? You know, is someone going to come and harm us or hurt us? They're not worried about that because they know dad and mom. They don't really think about it. They just know dad and mom are taking care of that. And of course, we have some expectations. Yeah, sure, they got some chores to do. They're part of a family. But do we believe that my story is right in God's hand? And of course, we have some chores. And of course, we're in a family. And of course, he has some expectations. But do we believe that our story is right here? Because if we do, then he could turn anything around. A mistake that I made, something that you did that affected me, or just the circumstances of life. If, if my story is in his hand, he can turn it around. So in your life, do you see coincidence or providence? Do you see luck or do you see the Lord? Let me just give you these four words as we finish. Here they are. The first one is obscurity. Ruth doesn't get fire from the sky. No seas are parted, but God is working powerfully in her story and he's working in your story too. And so even in the obscure small things of life, don't always be looking for the big, huge thing. God's working in the tiny details. That's number one, obscure. Number two, humility. Ruth is not afraid to ask. Ruth is not afraid to ask. She asked Naomi, can I go? She asked the foreman, can I work in this field? She asked Boaz, will you keep working and helping me? And James asks us this question, or tells us this right here, James, in the book of James. You don't have because you don't ask. Have you asked God? Are you without? Have you asked God? Have you knocked? Have you seek? Have you asked? Because Jesus said, if you will, the door will be open. You'll find. It'll be given to you. Many times in the Bible it says, if we'll humble ourselves, God will lift us up. And that's one of the ways he responds is when we ask, because that takes humility. Obscurity, humility. Number three, proximity. Ruth stays close to Naomi. She stays close to Boaz. And Everybody's going to be blessed because of this proximity of them staying close to good people. Even Naomi, this isn't even a book about her, but she's going to be blessed by staying close to Ruth because better people help bitter people become better. We talk about in the New Testament, bad company corrupts good character. Well, you know what? The opposite is true. Good company encourages good character. And so God's story unfolds in our lives according to where we are often and who we're with, proximity. So obscurity, humility, proximity, and the last one is this, abs absurdity. She asked this question in verse 13, why have I found favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Absurd. Have you thought about lately? God, why would you even notice me? Why would you want to use my talents and my gifts? Why would you want to include me? I am amazed. And this story of this wealthy Jewish man giving his concern to a secondhand, barren, foreign, Moabitess wife is just as absurd as well, just as absurd as grace. 
So remember. Remember in times of without, if that's where you are today. Are you without? Remember during these times. God loves you. God has grace for you. It's absurd, but he does. It's easy for us to look back a lot of times in the mirror, and it can be crystal clear. We look back and we go, that was God doing that. Oh, I see now. He was working. He was answering prayers. He was protecting me. Oh, I see. The Lord was directing my steps. There may have been no burning bush or writing on the wall, but it was real. And it was more than luck, and it was more than a coincidence. It was God. And I can see it as I look back. You see, this field is God's providence for Ruth. She doesn't know it yet, but she's going to find out. She'll look in the rearview mirror and see the same thing. This week, as you go about the mundane routine of your life, of going to the field, going to lunch, going back to the field, going home and telling your family about it and doing the same thing the next day, may you recognize the God who often writes these words in your story as it turned out. May you this week see the God who's working through good women and good men in your life and they're blessing you. May you this week see that your story is one of the places that God is writing his absurd story of grace right in your life. I hope you're lucky enough to have that kind of week. Lucky, right. Let's stand and let's worship this everlasting God of Ruth and of us.